Do you worry about the people around you and the family that you love? That's not my job. That's HR. Okay. (laughs) That's fine. Okay. So. So. Paul, I'm a pretty important guy. You're an executive. I am an executive, but I'm actually playing a character right now. I am the CIO of a major retailer. Okay. And I have to make large strategic decisions about technology for my company. Uh, They better be both large and strategic. Uh, There are things I worry about. I worry about security. I worry about scale. I worry about making it easier for change to happen, Mm -hmm. for software to get updated, for features to go in. I worry about these things. And... I would love to tell you this is my passion, but I'm actually, I came out of business school and I found opportunities on the tech side of things. And I read a lot. I have to read a lot. I have to know about trends. I have to know about where the competitors are thinking about things. And I have to sort of stay on top of essentially a machine that just really doesn't stop. Let's it's, be clear. Your giant right? company probably spends 40 to $120 million in a given year on IT and technology. Exactly. And, and I have to be on top of things. I have to be on top of security and scalability and the like. So I read stuff. I read a lot of industry stuff. I go to conferences and I got to stay on top of things. And I got to tell you, every month there's a new trend. Not just a new like piece of software, but like a new trend. Yeah, it's a subtle pivot that everyone's yeah. turning. Now that everybody's going eight degrees to the left. So suddenly they're like, it was microservices and suddenly it's front end nano services. Yeah. You got to know what those are because from the bottom, the engineers and the stakeholders and product managers and designers are going to tell you, what are we doing about front-end nano services? And then someone's going to tell the CEO about front-end nano services. And then you're going to see him at that company gathering, He's that gonna function. Go, I talked to Mike at Davos, and he said that front-end nano services are saving them hundreds of millions of dollars. Even worse. He's, Ac- a, McKin- he's a McKinsey consultant. <laughs> oh, Acme across the street's doing it. Mm, they, they, they just announced off. it. Yeah. You know? Just to be clear, there's no such thing as front-end nano services. No, we don't, we don't do that. So either. far. Yeah, so far. So there's a paranoia. It's almost like a fear, not just about, you know, getting hacked, but just of being behind. And then you have, you know, the likes of Gartner and Forrester and these advisory research firms that go and tell you, look, for over the next three years, everything is going to be on acronym BLA. Yeah. Or GRF. BLA and GRF are, are things we really need to be working uh, and on. And compliance is going to be necessary and it's reducing costs by this much. Well, this is the thing. It's not just GRF. It's GRF compliance and governance. So the whole GRF ecosystem actually incurs an enormous amount of costs while saving you a lot of money. Yeah. I don't know what GRF is. No, no. GRF could, will be something. We can yeah, work on that later. Matter. You could fill in the acronym later. That's right. So what these firms often do, they're not just talking about history. In fact, they're actually telling you, we saw this start to kick in last year. It's kind of under the radar, but guess what? We charted it. And in three years, $2.1 billion will be spent on GRF. And then you start to dig in and you look it up and it sounds exactly like the thing you read about four years ago. And then four years before that. And, and four so years on. Before. Yeah. But you got to be on top of it. I probably should put maybe a little bit of money on it. I have a $180 million budget. I probably should put a million dollars towards GRF. Well, we should do at least a, a trial project here. Maybe move the front end on one of our healthcare websites. Right. So here's who else Gartner and Forrester whispers to. The vendors, mm-hmm. the service providers. To be clear, not us. We're too small. We're too small. But this like, isn't our game. Think it's true. Accenture. Yes. Deloitte. So I type GRF into Google. 
first page is almost entirely ads. Guess who's there? Accenture, Deloitte. Deloitte. Yep. All the big guys are already there because what you have with the, the research firms is they talk to you and tell you, you better be on top of this. And they turn over and they talk to the service providers and they're like, we just told them they need to be on top of it. So you should probably be on top of it too. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, Google, <laughs> just hanging out in the room, is funneling you right to those providers. This is the secret of the internet, right? Is that a place like Google creates a marketplace for nonsense. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Maybe that's, that's a, little, a broader characterization yeah, yeah, yeah. of But Google. like this cycle, yes. like literally someone invents something that just takes a pile of knowledge yes. and says, this is now the knowledge that you need. It is need creation, right? It is right. truly need creation. And, and, and then Google creates a marketplace in which you can actually kind of bid out that need. Yes. And so now you're in this spot and you're feeling like, okay, I better be on top of it. See, all of these more or less are abstractions. If you break them down, they're all just sort of these high-level concepts that get sure, shared. Sure. But to me, the godfather of these sort of data points that Gardner and Forrester and the frameworks. Like, no, it's digital transformation. Yeah, it's the one. It's just it's so out there mm -hmm. and so abstract and so insane that it applies to everybody. When you read it, it's like a horoscope. It's like, hmm, that does that is kind of how I feel about umbrellas. And it applies to me. Oh, of course. This organization needs some digital transformation. Well, it's like, who doesn't? Who doesn't? I need digital transformation at home. We all need it. Yeah. This is about need creation. That's right. And technology does move. Well, so. it also it's a very fear-motivated industry, right? Absolutely. Oh, my God. Absolutely. I don't even know what this is. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm going to lose my job. That's right. So this is all sounding really cynical. And no, because like, look at all the disciplines, right? Like I have been in part of many discussions. I remember people have been like, is information architecture the right term? Yeah. Is content strategy a Design viable space? Design with this a lot. UI, user interface versus user experience. Which I got lectured a week ago about the difference. Mm -hmm. And I am ashamed to say I use the words interchangeably. Goes right out of your brain though. I got yelled at. Yeah. The designers here said there's a clear difference. I've known this for 10 years. I like to use the term interface experience. You combine the two and get rid of the user. There's no, no human anymore. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. That's the future with machine learning from Google. You got that marketplace and then you get AIs to, to create need and AIs to create demand. And then you use blockchain in the middle. And that is the future of the industry. You just cut people out of the loop entirely. I, I and wanted then you, to walk back from the cynicism. Yeah, Paul. no, 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 no. <laughs> and then, but the problem is we have to figure out what to do with all the people. Look, the advice can't be ignored all. You can't Look, say a, it. There's a story I tell a lot, and I might have told it on this podcast before, but it's 30 seconds. It's worth it. I once was asked to do a PowerPoint for a really high-level executive at a big company. And I went in, and it turned out that what she wanted was one picture and one word per slide. I thought about this for a long because it would just be like powerful. And it was the like. Like guy hang gliding? Picture? Yeah, that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. And she'd worked with an agency. Like there were probably <laughs> like $10,000 in on this. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I'm like, just one word? <laughs> and it turns out that she was just incredibly afraid of what everybody was going to think. And so she had constrained herself to these sort of terms and emotions that she could then riff off of. But she didn't want to document too much of what she was about to say. She's, you know, high-level exec. So she was going to go present and she was going to use this very narrow public channel where just like powerful, expressive, who are we? You know, just to get people engaged and excited and then take a step back. Is this terrible? Now, people at the highest level of organizations, not the gentlest human beings. 
Slow down, Paul. No, I mean, These you know, are our clients. No, but we have a small business and we're not the gentlest human being. If you have a 20,000 person firm, whether the person listening to this podcast believes that 20,000 person firms are good or not, the people who succeed at the top of 20,000 person firms have sharp elbows. Yeah. It's not just that like they have sharp elbows. It's just understood that everybody has sharp elbows. Yeah, but draw the dotted line for me here. So do I ignore all the stuff that's coming at me? It's constant. No, these are tools for people at that altitude to understand the world and make sense of it. I'm going to get my new three-letter initialism from Gartner. I'm going to know that it is industry standard. I'm going to communicate it to my team, and I'm going to say, what's your opinion? Those things are good to fight about. Like, it's literally, what do we think about ERP in this firm? What do we think mm -hmm. about, what mm -hmm. is our CRM solution? Like, mm -hmm. as annoying as it is, and it does require a little bit of insideriness, but the thing is, is like, if I don't call it CRM, I have to call it movie the card around on the screen thing. Like, I mean, what the hell am I going to call it? Sales process engineering tool? Then it's called a spec. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're never going to get away from it. But, but, you know, CRM is not fair because... CRM is, an, is a real, actually, category of tool. It is now. I'm talking about, like, we had a guy come in, and we talked through the possible project, and then at one point, he stopped me, and he says, what do you think of Enterprise Service Bus? Oh, that was a good one. That's an old-timer. Yes. I paused. I was like, well, I mean, it's a particular architectural approach. Why do you ask? He said, well, there's a guy on our side. He's a high-level technology person, and he said he's really excited about it. And the guy looked so deflated. It's a lot. He was so deflated. He's like, do we have to do it? I don't understand it. We is should it, tell is people. Is it important? Let's demystify enterprise service bus, okay? You speak uh, a little bit of Arabic, right? Okay, I speak English. Yeah. Okay, if you could only speak Arabic and I could only speak English, what do we need in between us? A translator. That's all you got. So now you speak Arabic, your wife speaks French, yeah. I speak English. Now we need a translator that can talk all those languages. Yes. That's an enterprise service bus. Yeah. It's like that UN where they have the headphones. Yeah. They're just listening and translating. That's yeah. all it is. It's just instead of people speaking languages, okay. it's different I mean, look, systems. These are concepts that do need to be labeled and named. I don't think they're negative. I guess I want to bring this out of a cynical No, let's. You're right. You're right. Uh, here's, the, here's my point. I my love point to make is, fun of enterprise software. It's so one of my so joys in life. I, mean, yeah, I think it's, it's most of this podcast. <laughs> um, look, here's what I would say. I would say you should always be learning, always be educating yourself on this stuff. Just don't treat it as indoctrination. There are people who do it and then think, oh my God, my professional survival depends on me latching on to the five terms that everyone's talking Let about. Let me be, right now. you know what, actually, be a little suspicious. It's not just that's very limiting. Agile is a good example. The orthodox agile people are increasingly gone. It used to be that somebody could make a living by telling you you were doing agile wrong. Yep. And after five or 10 years, everybody's like, oh, really? Scrum, Kanban? Well, I'm going to ship my software and I hope that your agile method works out for you. Yeah. Exactly. I, we've seen it come and go, right? Mm -hmm. And people say, you know, what is, are you agile? We used to get that question. We, we get still, it less We still and do though, from a big so. org, yeah. Yeah, and we get it and we appreciate the spirit behind it, but let's be realistic. I mean, for us, it is less about that. These are good ways to package up ideas and label them so you can talk about them. To your point, I think sometimes you just need it out there as a thing so you can beat it up. So you can yell about it. So you can yell about it and get to the right answers. The point is just don't be cult-like about Here's it. Here's what's tricky, right? You were telling me about an acronym earlier, Rich. Yes. SPIF or SPIFFY? S-P-I-F-F-E. Okay. Secure Production Identity Framework for Everyone. What? Why do you need for everyone? <laughs> well, Who else is it gonna be for? Am I, it better be for everyone. What does it do? That's, it's a set of open source standards for securely identifying software systems. 
this is the point that I think people should really lock into. This has existed before in different formats. There was the web services discovery layer from back in the two mm-hmm. thousands. Yep. There's always this desire to like, well, this idea of certificates right, that's right. around these services. And we're going to find the systems and have them talk to each other without Every, human intervention. Everything's existed earlier. Yeah, that's right. Everything has dude. It all has. I want to rewind and talk about rest. I'm very proud of this. Uh, okay. Rest, which is a way of talking to APIs on the internet getting data off the internet. Yes, and, but there was something things. very beautiful and basic about it at the time because at the time, and REST was definitely the minority, it was sort of the outsider, uh, you had these big industrial strength standards around services that were blessed by the likes of Microsoft and Oracle. IBM. IBM, See? SOAP, WSDL. These are right. like big standards. And if So the web look- shows up. It's a way to share your, like, your diary. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, you, you guys are serious about this? This is going to keep happening? Well, we better put... A layer so that you can do cool enterprise software things and exchange data in an encrypted, secure way via the web. That's right. You can exchange data now, not just exchange. And the idea of describing a service was a standard called WSDL, W-S-D-L. Well, this is the thing. You couldn't actually go find anything out using the web. Like You had to get these things, unpack them, read them, and be and like... And look, it was pretty cool. If you had an IDE like Eclipse which is about 7,000 megabytes if you want to install it. And you pointed to a WSDL resource on the web, right? It like it actually turned them into methods in your IDE. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. kind of neat looking. It's yeah. like, holy hell, I've, I now installed software I'm the programming web. the whole internet. I'm programming the whole internet. So it looked really neat. But if you opened the box and looked at that WSDL packet, it is a collection of insane things. It is just crazy. Yeah. And if you looked at the soap packets, which is just the data moving back and forth, so there's it's all just this, bananas. This was supposed to, this is the way that the industry wanted everything to go. It, it is where how everything went, in fact. But then REST was around. And what REST was saying was, what are you doing? Why is it so complicated? The web already works. Can a human being look at something and actually read it? At that time, and I'm very proud, I mean, this was 2004, I started Arc90 pretty much on the premise of only building RESTful mm-hmm. architecture at the time. And 14 years later, everybody's still arguing about what RESTful architecture still actually fair, is. Fair, but... But it's actually a good example, right? Like, we're still figuring out REST. We are still figuring These out These acronyms rest. never end. Yes. There's still going to be a good CMS. Yeah. You know, there's still going to be a good CRM. Everybody's going to... Absolutely. People don't walk in and say, what's the best WordPress? They say, what's the best content management system? That's right. right. And so what is true rest? There is no such thing as true anything. The one lesson I would take away from sort of the resistance and, and essentially the death of SOAP and Whistle and these overly complicated concepts and, and implementations and towards simple is peel it back. When you see that acronym that looks crazy, I'm like, well, what are you really talking about? Can you tell me that again? It took me a bit to be confident enough to say to someone, I don't know what that means. Can you explain it to me in regular English, please? I don't know what a Java bean is. We just did it on the phone today and the other person didn't know the acronym. They were like, oh, it's an MX5. And we're like, what's that? He was like, I don't know. Yeah. It's okay. Like ask that question and call bullshit because a lot of it is bullshit. Some of it isn't. Some of it is really interesting and some of it is actually the seed of something that's going to come out later in a much more elegant way. It's overly complicated because let's face it, there is a multi-billion dollar industry around selling these abstractions and selling the expertise around dealing with this ugly stuff. Can I tell you something that I'm listening to you that occurs to me? Yes. 
What made Rust good is it looked like the web. And people are like, hey, we can build a really good, solid, robust infrastructure for enterprises on top of the web. And they get five layers. Yes. And you go, wow, that doesn't make any sense. And then you see REST and you're like, ah, that's how an H, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, you talk about user interface. Yeah. It was good UI. But you know what mass adoption, it was. You know what, you know the way you get mass adoption is you go one layer up. You try to go for that second layer and it just, yeah. you start losing people and losing people yep. and losing people. Yeah, you're right. And so that's, REST was really good that way. So is like, when you look at how Apple rolls out new features, their machine learning toolkits or health kit or whatever, it all gets wrapped up into these little kits yep. that sit there and the engineers- Talking get, about new features for developers. Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah. The, the developers get real excited. It doesn't matter if there's 30,000 things going on in well, there. What they're showing is some, you, you have one of two ways, one of two postures to take when you introduce some new piece of alien technology to someone else. You can be deeply empathetic and say, I'm going to make this very approachable for you. and I'm not going to be condescending about it. Yeah. Or I'm going to make this so abstract and weird and talk about X509 certification. Well, we're going to solve every problem. That's the danger zone. Yeah. And, and it's like, you don't worry your pretty little head. There are experts who are actually going to take care of We're going to give you this. tools to manage this and so on. And That's then right. you look at Apple and they're like, hey, see this thing? It looks like a chiclet. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have access to that and you can measure anybody's heartbeat. That's right. And, and then they're like, okay, now we'll bootstrap an entirely new health economy on top of that. You're talking about empowerment, right? right? A lot of this stuff is about uh, disempowerment. A lot of the stuff that's overly complex that you can't seem to process is very disempowering. And you're like, you know what? I can't deal. I'll hire Deloitte. There's a great line about consultants, which we should be mindful we're consultants sometimes too. But it's a regular guy far from home. It's a regular guy. Who's far from home. Oh, no. Isn't that real, though? That is real. It's a regular guy. And he's like, he's there telling you like, oh, you know, he's spitting out acronyms. And you're going like, hey, wow, he really knows something. I'm okay. Yeah. The reality is you peel away the secrets and it's you're usually not that far away. Challenging it is not. Exactly. Go ahead and challenge it. I yeah. think it's good to always learn. Pick up on that stuff. Some of it, you could see it gain traction and momentum. Why is everyone excited? Go in and find out. It why. is. What will happen is the consultant from the big company will come in and present the new big idea and framework that you need to follow. Yep. And then someone in the back room will be like, well, how is this different from, you know, four years ago? Yep. And they'll go... Usually what'll happen if they're not a fraud, they'll yeah. go, oh, it's actually very similar. Here are yep. the things that, like- Here this, are the improvements. Yeah, yeah exactly. Here's what, we, here's what we solved this time Ideally, around. Ideally, that's an engaging conversation. And it's, right. You be, end not up- defensive. You're acknowledging that things change and that you got to do all sorts of stuff to stay up with the times. Yep. That's real too. Like you can't turn your back on this stuff because- I mean, I'm, I'm going to dovetail this right into promoting Postlightball. <laughs> Rich, dovetail away. One of the things we love to do is talk to you in plain English when you come- our offices. It's true. We try to actually dissect it in a way so that you can understand it and we can talk to you about why something could be more complicated or more costly than otherwise. It's actually tricky with our marketing because we like when we're talking to you, we don't say API. We tend to say like, where are you putting that data that comes from the app? Yeah, we try to break it down and that's often very helpful. And even if as technical as you are, we're not condescending about it. No, it's we're just, just, it's real simple stuff. We try to get to the right answer. And sometimes if you peel away all the bullshit, that's the easier way to get to the right answer. You know why, Paul? Why? Because we deliver product strategy, product management, design, and engineering to our clients around the world. We're really good at it. We do it for really big places and also much smaller places. We like this work and we take it very seriously as a craft. If you'd like to talk to us about anything, you can send an email. Hello at postlight.com. That's all you got to do. Yes. Have a lovely week, Paul. Yeah, you too, Rich. Let's get back to work. Okay.